Amen. Our text this morning is in the book of Luke, chapter 24, and we'll begin reading with verse 13. You know, baptism is like the white-hot moment of our Christian expression. It is, it is the launching pad, you might say. We remember those spaceships back in the older days when they took off and went straight up. I'm not sure. Well, I guess they still do. They don't show them like they used to, so I'm not exactly sure how they go off anymore. But launching pad, they still go off that way. Look at somebody, a friend I know. That's what I'll do. Yes. Well, it's like, it's like the, the, the liftoff. It gets us going. We've asked Christ into our heart. We've believed on him. We've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And then it is our public, our public profession. It is the way we show our faith. It's through our baptism early on in our Christian walk. And so it's a high mark, you might say. A beginning place. It's really all about, all about our relation to him. It represents our baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ as our Savior, God's Spirit comes to live in our lives. You say, well, that seemed weird. Well, it would seem weird, except God forgives us of our sins. And it's a gift. It is His gift that He come and live in our hearts and live with us. It's emotionally a first love time. It's expressing to Him our our first love. We're filled with compassion for the Lord. And in turn, we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ with a heart full of love. And that's the way to look at your church family. Not because we're all so lovable. If we had to wait on that to be in love with our church, we would never get into a church. We love the church because it's His body. It's Christ's body. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And then we learn to love them practically day by day. We love them because we're, we're filled with the love of Christ. And we have a heart toward the lost. And we love the lost. So that's odd. We love outsiders. You know, when you come to be a Christian, you learn to love not only those who are your brothers and sisters or those who are in your own kind of group, but you learn to love People that you meet every day. You don't love them with a mushy love. You don't just run up and start hugging on them or anything like that. You know, you might get, you might get slapped in the face or something. But you love them with the heart of Christ. You love them because He loves them. And because He gave His all for them. That don't mean we have to like everybody, each other, or, or like everybody. But we've got to act toward one another with love and with respect. Christians don't have any reason to be dis, dissing anybody, disrespecting anybody. We are to look at them with hope and with a sense of love. And so baptism is a good time to do some, for the church family to do some rekindling. To rekindle the fire of our own heart. To get in touch with our Lord and with what brought us to the faith. When we see a baptism, we're not only interested in those who are being baptized but we're also thinking about ourselves and about our baptism and maybe you're remembering that day when you were baptized but it's a time to renew our convictions 
time for us to think about our convictions. It's time to renew and refresh our compassions. We ought to, one, act, one act part of worship ought to be, not that we just get excited and, about worship, but that we are refreshing our compassions for the Lord and for each other. It's time to rekindle our commitments. Baptism is a good time for us to restart our own self. It's a time to reaffirm our consecration and refocus on our commission from the Lord. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ. We all have a part to play in His kingdom's work. We all are called to be witnesses for Him. It's a time to refocus on that commission that we have. And so today I want us to think about this as we read this story on on the very Sunday of Jesus' resurrection. He's already appeared to the women. And there is Peter has already made his examination of the tomb and seen that it is empty. And now in verse 13, this story is told. And behold, two of them, disciples went that same day to a village called Emmaus. It's a walk outside of Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. You know how far that is, don't you? Well, look it up. Three miles? Seven miles? Well, I'm glad somebody looked it up. And they, that's a long walk. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were held that they should not know him. And he said to them, What manner of communication are these which you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, saying unto him, Are you... Only a stranger in Jerusalem, and have not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. See how Jesus asked them, What things? You think Jesus didn't know what things they were? He was just letting them answer him. Just the way I did you, Lee, when you answered the seven miles. It was good. And how they said not only he was a prophet and mighty in word and deed and before God and all the people, but how the chief priest and our ruler delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been He who should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today's the third day since these things were done. Yes, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen visions of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but they, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets had spoken, ought not Christ to have 
suffered these things and entered into his glory. And then beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them the scriptures of the things concerning himself. And they drew near unto the village where they went. And he as though he had he as though as he would continue on to go further. But they constrained him and said, Abide with us. For it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass as he sat meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? That's the verse I want us to focus on. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us along the way and when he opened to us the scriptures? And so we are looking at this passage, and perhaps we have gotten a little cool in our heart. Perhaps like these men, they were disappointed that Jesus had died on the cross. They thought Jesus was going to do more than just die on a cross. They were looking for bigger things. And so they might have been somewhat discouraged, although they heard the news. They may not have been very convinced about it, about Jesus raising from the dead. Sometimes our hearts can get a little cool. And it shows not just in our thoughts about the Lord, it really shows in our relations to each other and our, our sense of purpose toward those who are not of his family. We're tempted like Jonah maybe to just sit under the tree, the juniper tree, and in the shade while the nation was perishing. There's been times in, among Christians when that's happened, not only as an individual church, but as all whole peoples. Eng- England, over 200 years, was facing a drought in matters of spirituality and, and purita- purita- purit- the Puritans <laughs> had sort of already had their day and it had passed. And Bibles were put away and the saloons and such in England bragged that one could get drunk for a penny and dead drunk for two pennies. And Europe had already gone this way and now England was soon to follow. But the course of that nation was changed when one preacher named John Wesley got his heart warmed toward God. He warmed up toward the Lord, John Wesley. And said he did more for England's soul than all the reformers and experts the church had ever done. There were plenty of hot heads, but not many warm hearts. And that's what we need as Christian people, not just smartness. We need to be warm in our heart toward the Lord and toward his work. Jeremiah, his ministry changed 
when he gave his heart fully to the Lord. In Jeremiah 20 verse 9 it said, But if I say I will not remember him or speak anymore in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of trying to hold it back. I cannot endure it. He literally was trying to quit, but he could not quit. God was in his bones, in his heart. He had that compassion that come from heaven. I've spoken with pastors along the ways nowadays. And there's a lot of discouragement in a lot of places. And sometimes it might have to do with hot heads in the church. But most of the time it's just due to the, the coldness, the gathering coldness that's happening among the people of God. Kind of lowered their standards. And you know, there's not some kind of change, some kind of revival in our Christian churches. We're going to cool off to the point we're not worth anything in God's work. So here's these two disciples. This day of the cross has already occurred now, three days back. And they're walking along a country road half-believing and half-doubting. They've suffered a letdown in their bodies and in their spirit. It was the third day after Jesus was crucified and there was an aching in their soul. Some of you have had surgery, haven't you? They say that third day after surgery is a mighty aching time. They had been with Jesus for three years. So their theology, I guess, was in pretty good shape. But they did not have joy. They were trudging along. Their heads were down. But then Jesus expounded to them. They had not recognized him. They had invited him into their house. And he began to expound to them the scriptures. And when he told them, he he taught He talked through the Old Testament how it talked about the coming of the Messiah. That was him. And while he was talking, it says their hearts began to burn. Something was restored in their heart. Something was flaming up. God would blown on the coals of their heart and now they were stirred up again when he expounded On the word of God. There was sort of a a holy heat, you might say, that took place. And now they were ready also to become witnesses because they had been with the Lord. We might believe right. And we might do right. But do we have a cold heart? Do we need for God to do something in our life new and fresh? Now, I'm not just talking about enthusiasm. I'm talking about us getting down to business with the Lord. Really repenting of our sin. If there's something that's made our hearts cold. And has turned us aback from Him. Then He's looking for us to change our heart toward Him. The problem is not that God isn't willing. The problem is that we are often rebellious and we are cold toward Him. 
we're not, we're not following him. Sometimes we might feel like, well, we can just whip up some kind of enthusiasm, some kind of excitement, some kind of religious excitement, and somehow that's going to do. There's a lot of people today that are seeking revival, you might say, through enthusiasm. You know, more, more music, more whatever, more to, something to try to get yourself excited. I've told this story a few times, but it's the best illustration I've got of it. I, went, I moved a lot as a kid, moved to a new high school. First day I was at school, they had, a, they had a pep rally for the football team. God bless them, they needed help. <laughs> and so we all met in the auditorium and the cheerleaders cheered and got us all, all going. The coach got up and made an inspirational talk. A couple of players got up and did the same. The band was playing all they could. We were all whipped up and everybody's hands was all excited. We were all into it, you know. Well, I didn't even know these people. And I was excited. And so we're, we're all, and I noticed when, I, when we walked out and I was walking back to the car, of course I didn't know anybody, you know, to, couldn't high five or nothing. I'm not even sure we did high five back then. I'm not sure what we did. Did we? No, we didn't do that kind of thing. Got back in my car, and all the enthusiasm just went right out. And I can remember this in my, my walk with the Lord when I've depended on my emotions to get whipped up. And when they start going down, feel like I'm falling apart on God. It's not about just emotions. Now, if we have emotions, God bless them, use them. Amen? Get excited. There's nothing wrong with that. Look, go with it. Okay, Bob, settle down now. <laughs> Paul says to Timothy, he said, The time's going to come when people will have itching ears. And not be able to stand sound doctrine. In other words, the teaching alone, people's going to want more. They're going to want something else. They're going to want entertainment. They're going to want something to make it more palatable. It says when Jesus began to expound on, his, on the word, their hearts began to burn. That only comes from spending time with God and His Word and listening to Him and not the things that just go around it. A daily, methodical time with the Lord. Are you in love with Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? Vance Havner said this. He said, What man does not remember some summer night when he was so in love that he loved the moon and the stars and everybody except the rival who was running him a close race for the heart of his love. Why do we Christians, he says, not so love Jesus until we love everybody except the arch enemy of our souls? Love will do strange things to you, won't it? When you give your heart over. 
Jesus said in John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will give myself to him or show myself to him. Jesus come to these two disciples on the road and man, they were burdened down. And he spent some time with them. And then their hearts were burning. Their hearts were burning. Jesus will meet you in unexpected ways. Some of us it might be at a time of serving. Maybe we'll come out here on this day of ministry to our community and find that just in serving others, something about the love of God is going to swell up in our heart. Some of us may find it in a, in a friend that we have that maybe we've never, we've never shared with them our, our commitment to Christ. And we're going we're gonna to find an open door and we're going to take it. And when we do, we're going to find the love of Christ swell up in our heart toward them and toward Him. They invited Him into their home. They're walking along with him. They didn't know who he was. They invited him. They opened the door of their home to him. You know, in the book of Revelation, there is one of the churches there, one of the seven churches addressed in the book of Revelation. And this church was named the Laodicean Baptist Church. Actually, it was Laodicean Church. And it had become so lukewarm that Jesus said of this church, it's sickening how lukewarm they had become. And so at the end of this little section on the Laodicean church, Jesus says this to that church. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. I'm standing at the door of your church. They led him into their home. They opened the door. And when they did, their heart began to burn. When we open our hearts to him, maybe we're not a Christian. We're pondering it. And today, perhaps, we... I've seen others who have followed Christ. And today we would like to accept Christ as our Savior. Open our heart to Him. And let Him come in. One old preacher said it this way. He said, sometimes I, I buy a present for my wife. And I'm afraid that my selections are often very poor. She always accepts them though graciously. Because she knows that before I ever gave her those presents, I gave her my heart. And that's the way it is with the Lord. Before we give Him anything, He wants our heart. Wholeheartedly, right? Not just heart up, half of it. He said, no jewels or roses or anything would make my wife happy if I had not first given her my heart. Christ isn't interested in anything before our heart. He wants us to 
Give him a warm heart. Will you bow with me a moment? There's a song we sing sometimes. It, it goes like this. My faith looks up to thee is the name of the song. And part of it says this. May thy rich grace impart strength to my fainting heart. My zeal inspire. As thou hast died for me, oh, may my love to thee be, be pure, warm, and changeless, a living fire. Father, on this baptism day, we've seen, Lord, this picture of the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus and these whose hearts have been given to him, their death and burial and resurrection with him through that picture of baptism. And God, it speaks to our heart too. That God, when we started with you, Jesus says, Jesus said to one church, He said, Let you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten that the first thing to do is to love. And God, we today we've met to worship and we have sung our songs and we do want to worship you with enthusiasm, God. We want you to know our praise and the joy we have in knowing Christ. But if for whatever reason, that love has begun to falter, and God, we are not where we ought to be, or can be, or want to be. Lord, look into our hearts today. Is there some sin, God, that's there? Oh God, help us today to repent, truly repent of sin that would keep us from you, of anything that's unpleasing to you, that, God, we've allowed into our life that's preventing us, Lord, from really wholeheartedly loving you and serving you. So, God, we thank you for this time today to pray and just commit our life to you. There may be decisions that we hold today, maybe to rededicate ourselves, to recommit ourselves to the Lord. Maybe to become part of this church family and say, I want, to be a, I want to belong here. I want to be part of this fellowship. God, whatever it is that you're speaking to our hearts today about, God, it's your moment with us. Let your spirit, God, speak clearly to us. And we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn together. And as we sing, I invite you, as the Lord has spoken, we're going to sing hymn number 310. Hymn number 310. And as we sing, if the Lord is speaking to your heart, you come. Let's stand together as we sing.